It's great to be back. It's good to go on holiday, but it's all so much nicer to come home. Our call to worship comes from the words of the prophet Isaiah. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. And now let's come to God in prayer. We pray together. Gracious God, on this autumn morning, it is our privilege to gather in the name of Jesus to offer our worship. Even before we awoke, you were already active, spinning the earth on its axis orchestrating the dawn chorus, summoning the light, painting the sky in subtle hues, delighting in the joy of creation and of creating. Now as we gather, you are here among us, unseen host welcoming us into the safety of your embrace. Hidden friend, speaking greeting through the mouths of those we meet. Silent comforter, holding those who feel overwhelmed. Playful disturber, ruffling the ease of those who feel a little too comfortable. Within us, out with us, rejoicing to be among us. Here, as we still our anxious hearts and slow our racing minds. Here, as we try to silence the thoughts that distract and the emotions that impede. We dare to ask you to accept us setting us free from the clinging regrets of opportunities missed, the kind words that went unspoken, the good deeds left undone, setting us free from the sins we have hidden so cleverly that even we no longer recognise them, making us whole, renewing us for service, empowering us for mission, sustaining us for the everyday. Gracious God, on this autumn morning, accept our prayers, which we offer in Christ's name. Amen. The first reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 7 to 12, and both of my readings are from the translation, uh, the NIV translation. 
Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Uh, second reading is Ephesians chapter 4, and it's verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I've deliberately titled what I'm sharing today as a reflection rather than a sermon because I think that's what it is and because it will be partly interactive. And I think for those of us who have worshipped here reasonably regularly over the last year, it is helpful to begin by identifying a few of the things that with God's help we have achieved together during the last year. Now, I realise for visitors that's a little bit exclusive and I apologise, but I trust you'll bear with us 
as we do that. But before we do that, I want to make it clear that I don't mean making a list of the activities we have shared in. Rather, I'm interested in the ways in which we have grown, however you understand that word, as a community of believers in Jesus who have covenanted to walk together with God in ways known and to be made known. To give you a starter, I'm going to indulge myself with the privilege of going first. When I arrived at Hillhead nearly two years ago, there was a sense of excitement in the church. But I soon discovered there was also a sense of trepidation. A fear that actually this could all go horribly, horribly wrong, with both minister and church being damaged in the process. By this time last year, I think we had begun to relax with each other. We had built a sense of love and trust. I knew you loved me. I hope you knew knew that I love you. And then, of course, we had our little bombshell. But, you know, through the experience of the last 12 months, I think God has given us a new confidence in our ability to support and love one another. I think that's one of the ways we have grown this year. So I'm going to invite you to think back over the last year, or at the the most the last two years, and think, how is it that we have grown as we have walked with God? And if you can share just one or two of those... That would be really helpful just to pop those up here. Student involvement has been greater. Okay, greater student involvement. Fantastic. And I think that operates on many levels, doesn't it? Because we've not just had more students worshipping with us, we've had students taking many active roles within the life of the church as stewards, as readers, as musicians, as photographers, as bringers in of people. It's been fantastic. Interactive worship. Interactive worship. Thank you. You've got very good at putting up with my weird ideas. Here we are doing interactive worship and you're noticing it. I certainly detected when I first arrived there was some concern that we might go a bit too far that way, but you've been very gracious in joining in with the weird things that I do. So question and answer sessions, moving around, doing things, even making bread in worship. That's been great. Other ways in which God has helped us to grow. Perhaps we could separate from interactive worship um, less traditional. Less traditional. <laughs> okay, thank you, Graham. I hope that's a positive and not too much of a negative. I mean, it's always a tension, isn't it? We can retain the strengths of the traditional by whilst being contemporarily relevant, then I think we're perhaps on the, the right path. Anything else anybody would like to add? doesn't matter. Okay. 
first Monday group. It's interesting, isn't it? We always, no matter how hard we try, slip back into things that we have done. And that's fine. That's not wrong. It's just also good to see how God has been changing us as people. I think the fact that we are more confident and comfortable to participate in this kind of sharing is a way that God has been working in us, with us, among us. Of course you can, Ian. Meeting more outside. Meeting more outside, yep. Fantastic. Yep. Yes. Okay. Sharing responsibility, yep. Okay, thank you, Miss Adam. I'll, I'll have to make that the last one because I'm running out of space. <laughs> and Bible study. Lovely, thank you. It's always a danger with interactive things that people are just getting into it as you stop. But lots of new activities and lots of new ways of being, lots of senses that God is working in us, with us, and through us. Thank you for that. The classic definition of a Baptist church is a covenant community of baptised believers. Now, there is a sermon, at least, in every one of those words. But the focus today is on being a covenant community, a group of people who voluntarily enter into an intentional relationship with each other and with God. In some ways, the promises that we make to one another and to God are similar to those that are made in a marriage ceremony. That shouldn't surprise us, because the marriage is a covenant relationship. We promise to stick together in good times and bad, when we agree and when we disagree, when we are happy and when we're sad, when we feel like it, and when, quite frankly, we don't. For better, for worse for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And if not for the rest of our lives, at least for the foreseeable future. In some Baptist churches, there is a long tradition of covenant services. In others, less so. Sometimes, like the Methodists, the covenant service is held at the start of a new calendar year. A symbol that, with a fresh, clean calendar, we have a fresh, new opportunity to resolve to live out our faith a little better, both personally and corporately. In other churches, the beginning of the new academic year feels a more natural point to do this. Just as children and students begin a new phase of development and learning, so the church commits itself afresh to discipleship. Just a few churches will align their covenant service either to their AGM or to the anniversary of their minister's induction. When I was at Hugglescote, we used to do our covenant on the closest communion Sunday to my induction anniversary. There was a sense of renewing that for another year. It's perhaps quite a good Sunday to do it when we are on our closest communion Sunday to our AGM and only a few weeks ahead of my anniversary of induction. There is some merit in marking anniversaries for their own sake, to give thanks to God for another year. 
But I think there is more to be found in the opportunity for renewing our covenant to combine sober reflection on what has been good and bad, happy and sad, success and failure, with a renewed commitment to carry on the journey together with God for another season. Before I go on necessarily briefly to look at the two Bible passages, which will help to move us towards our act of covenanting, it does seem appropriate to say a word or two about the relationship of covenant and church membership, especially in a Baptist church. At one level, it may seem that the two are inextricably linked. It could be argued that to make the covenant promises in good faith, you must have already made a commitment to be part of the fellowship, i.e. to be a member. Or you could argue that the covenant in itself acts as a commitment to membership. Now, I'm not sure it's ever quite that simple to say how membership and covenanting join together. For those who are in formal membership here, the covenant is a valuable opportunity to reaffirm the commitment of membership together in a corporate setting. It's not that we repeat our membership promises but rather we rededicate ourselves to work in the community of which our membership is a part. And for those who aren't members, I think there are at least two ways in which being part of a covenant can operate. Firstly, for those who live and work here short term, perhaps those who are students or those who are working in Glasgow, even those who are visiting It is a way of saying, although long-term commitment to this particular community is not for me, for the time I am here, I want to commit myself to be part of it. I want to endorse the values it expresses. I see this as the place God would have me be for now. But also, and this is uh, me in kind of ministry mode, Those who live and work permanently in Glasgow, those who have worshipped here for many, many years and have not yet quite committed themselves to formal membership, perhaps that covenant is just a spur on the path to doing so. It is, in my view, nonsensical that in every Baptist church that I've been part of, there are faithful, loyal, hard-working folk who refuse, yes, refuse, to make the formal commitment to membership. In one case in my last church, somebody who had been attending weekly for over 90 years. Just a warning, if you've been coming to Hillhead for a very long time and are not a member, you're on my hit list for this autumn. And so, briefly, to the two passages of scripture and what they might have to say to us whether we are part of this church permanently or only fleetingly. Five years ago, I conducted the marriage of a friend's daughter, and the couple chose the passage from Ecclesiastes as their reading. Now, anybody who knows the book of Ecclesiastes will know it's not exactly a cheery read. The expressions, meaningless, meaningless, and it's all like chasing after the wind, seem to pop up all too often. 
in that service and elsewhere, I have compared the writer to Eeyore. Sun shining, it will rain later, nice lush field, thistles. I have a feeling that really Eeyore was a West of Scotland Scot with a worldview of pay for it later. But even amidst all of Eeyore's pessimism, and particularly the pessimism of the writer of Ecclesiastes, we find little gems, such as this one that we heard. This one that speaks of the human need for community, whether that is the face-to-face intimacy of a romantic relationship, the side-by-side openness of a friendship relationship, or the wider, loose intertwining of community. I think C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, offers us some helpful images of face-to-face, side-by-side, and beyond. The need for committed, loving relationships is part of being human. And the writer points out how this relates to base human needs of security and warmth and shelter. People even fiercely independent ones like me, need people. Part of what I've learned over the last 12 months is what an appropriate form of of dependence might look like. I think interdependence is a balance of independence and dependence that is healthy. And yet, beyond our human need for love, in all its forms... I think there is also an innate spiritual yearning, a reaching beyond and a questioning of what life and is all about, and which education doesn't seem to be able to answer. Some people have called this the God-shaped whole. For us as followers of Jesus, divine love, most fully expressed in Christ, is perhaps one of the chords, the strands in the plaited cord. Here's another colour in the tapestry, another tone in the music, whatever metaphor you like to use. The writer of Ecclesiastes talks of a three-stranded chord which is difficult to break, an image that is open to endless interpretation. Does it hint at the Trinity? Is it the combining of faith, hope and love? Is it you and me and God? Perhaps for today, we just simply allow ourselves to recognise the inevitable intertwining that has to occur when we enter a covenanted relationship within the community of faith. Our lives and God's lives somehow melded together. And then the familiar passage from Ephesians, which seems to me to serve simply as a reminder that everyone has something to contribute within the covenanted community. And it serves as a nudge to each of us to re-evaluate where our energy and talents are being expended. There is a danger that we restrict the list of gifts that can serve the church to those of the so-called fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists and teachers. And of course those are necessary gifts. But we also need the gifts of administration, finance, organisation, baking, coffee making, cleaning, hospitality, technology, website design, music, 
church magazine production, and so on and so on. By entering the covenant, and specifically where appropriate by becoming a church member, we both commit and permit the use of our gifts within the church community. This is not just an act of discipline, though it is a good discipline. If we take the letter to the church at Ephesus seriously, it's part of our growing maturity as Christians. Rather than being a little bit flighty, offering what we will, where we will, we become stable and grown up, playing our part in building the church, giving as well as receiving. When each member, each person fully plays their part, when the meshing becomes a multi-stranded cord, when the tapestry becomes multicoloured and multidimensional, then we begin to discover the richness and fullness of what it means to be a community of Christian disciples. Part of the anticipation of the eschaton, my in-phrase of the year, part of the glimpse of the fulfilment of the kingdom of God. In a few moments, I'm going to be inviting you to make or to renew your covenant within this community of faith. In order that this is no empty ritual, no mere mumbling of words, I'm first going to invite you to take a few moments of silence to consider what it means for you to commit your ability, your energy, your wealth, your resources, your time, and your love to the intentionality that is Hillhead Baptist Church. Whether that's just for today or whether that's long term. And if, having done that silent reflection, you feel it would be wrong for you to enter the covenant then please don't feel embarrassed at being silent as the promises are made. But if, however tentatively, however fleetingly, you believe that call is yours, then please do join with us in our act of dedication. The words are printed on the sheet. I will say the words in ordinary type, and you are invited, if you feel it's right, to join with me in sharing the words in italics. These are the words we used at the service of induction nearly two years ago. God has made us a people. We have been shaped by God's will. Jesus calls us together. We meet in Jesus' name. The Spirit binds us together and leads us into truth. Today we bring ourselves and the gifts we have and we covenant to serve and encourage this church and community to respect and care for each other, to take responsibility for the people we are and the people we hope to be in Christ and to encourage you as our minister as we make this journey together. We are called to be a prophetic people, working for justice, resisting violence, and challenging the abuse of power.
We are called to be an inclusive people, pulling down the walls of prejudice and welcoming the stranger. We are called to be a sacrificial people, risking uncertainty, becoming vulnerable and reflecting the generosity of God. We are called to be a missionary people, demonstrating in word and action the redeeming love of God in the world. We are called to be a worshipping people, seeking and celebrating the God who journeys with us and opens the Spirit in the whole of life. Creating and redeeming God, we give you thanks and praise. Your covenant of grace was made for our salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. We come this day to covenant with you and with companion disciples to watch over each other and to walk together before you in ways known and still to be made known. Pour your spirit upon us. Help us so to walk in your ways that the promises we make this day and the life that we live together may become an offering of love, our duty and delight, truly glorifying to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This day we give ourselves again to the Lord and to each other, to be bound together in fellowship and to work together in the unity of the Spirit for the sake of God's mission. God of life, you call us and envision us. We give ourselves today to each other and to you, trusting that as you call us, so you covenant to share this journey with us, to nurture and sustain our life together and to guide our paths. We're going to combine our next hymn with our prayers of intercession. The way this works is we will sing one verse of the hymn and then I will lead us in a related prayer. And at the end of each of my prayers, I will say, Lord of the years, and I invite you to join me in saying, hear our prayer, which is the cue to Paul to take us into the next verse. Because we are using it as an act of prayer, I suggest we remain seated as we sing and pray.
We thank you for the way you have sustained us this past year, for the moments that brought joy to our hearts and the glimpses of grace that we gained along the way. Even as we rejoice in your goodness, we know that among us are those who are anxious or afraid, who await the results of medical tests or the reality of medical treatment that will prove demanding. There are those who are grieving a lost loved one or the loss of past certainties. As we have committed to walk together for another year, help us to be appropriately open and honest with one another and to love, encourage and support one another. Lord of the years, hear our prayer. God, whose word is heard in scripture and in tradition, in reason and in experience, we praise you for the new insights you have given us in the last year. For the gift of overseas and home students willing to share our life and enriching our worship with languages, music, practical service and Christian love. For the birth of new babies and the continuing nurture of children among us. For new questions and new ideas, which challenge and change us as your spirit moves among and within us. As we have committed to walk together for another year, help us to learn with and from each other, and from you, to grow into ever more mature disciples of Christ. Lord of the years, Hear our prayer. Closer than our own breathing, sharing with us the day-to-day experiences of life, we bring to you now the needs of the nations we each name as home, and for this land in which we now live, learn and serve. We pray for those who hold positions of power and authority, that they would govern wisely and compassionately serving the common good of all people without favour or prejudice. We pray for those employed in public sectors 
especially those in the uniformed services, health service, social services and education, that they would find fulfilment in their work and through it serve the greater needs of society. We pray for this city we love, that the ugly spectre of sectarianism may be overcome once and for all, and that diversity be celebrated rather than feared. Lord of the years, hear our prayer. Transcendent God, beyond our reach, outside of time and space, yet holding it all within your mercy and love, we bring to you now the needs of the world of which we are part. Our international students remind us of our interconnectedness with the whole of creation, and so we name before you Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, Uganda, and other African nations where famine and corruption blight the lives of so many. We recall the Bahamas recovering and rebuilding after Hurricane Irene swept through. We think of the nations where people we know love and serve within the armed forces, especially in Afghanistan and Iraq, seeking real peace rather than absence of war. And we remember the places where mission partners serve you, thinking especially of the work of BMS, TLM and UMN, which we are privileged to support. We pray for our world, your world, for the continued experience of the kingdom of Shalom. Lord of the years, hear our prayer. God of past, present and future. God within, out with, around and beyond us. God who we glimpse but never understand. God who walks with us on mountain tops and in dark valleys, in lush meadows and barren deserts. Accept our prayers and with them our lived response. For we offer both in Christ's name. Amen.